Welcome to episode 177 of the Lot Behind Game Club. This week, we start our two-part Final Fantasy VII Remake series. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her, her name is Katie Lesperance. Oh, hello. I'm here to talk about you a game. You weren't expecting me to throw to you. No, huh? I didn't know what to do. I never know what to do. You should move on. Yeah. Uh, our second friend, Flora Marigold. Hello. Would kill for a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent, as always. Uh, and our third friend... Uh, on the show for technically the third time, but really like the second time on a, on a real show. Mm. It's Kyle Stevenson. Hello, Kyle. Hello. Ha- thanks for having me. Of Great course. to be here. I mean, you do a thousand things. I do. Uh, you do the trophy room. You're part yep. of Six One Indie. You mm-hmm. work in the industry. Can mm-hmm. you tell folks what you do, what you're all about? Man, I just platinum video games. That's what I do. Cool. Very good. Anyway. Yeah. No. <laughs> Come on, man. No, yeah, no. I'm a, a host of the Trophy Room, which is a weekly PlayStation podcast. Um been doing that for almost five years now, a little over five years, which is nuts to think about. Um, also co-founded 6-1 Indie, where we uplift indie game devs and the games that we all love and think more people should be playing. And uh, yeah, very recently, late, little to the middle of last year, late last year, I uh, got a job in the industry. I work at Vicarious PR, doing games PR things. So yeah, nonstop games. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool now that I'm living in. Mm-hmm. We it's love that. Nice. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, before you got the job in games, I think I, I kept saying like you are the guy who needs to have a job in games the most, and so yes, I'm, glad thank that, you. I'm glad that you made it. Thank you. I, it feels good to be here. Uh, okay, so something we do with our guests uh, that I don't think we did with you on the last time you were on the show because we had oh. two guests, two new guests, mm-hmm. uh, is a segment we call the Gauntlet. And in the Gauntlet, we're just going to give the audience a little taste about what you're all about. Uh, some of these questions are, are pretty innocuous, but one or two of them. Might get you in some hot water. Are you ready for the Ooh, gauntlet? I'm ready. All right. Uh, can, can I get a gong from uh, one of my co-hosts? Flora, can you gong for me? <laughs> gong. That was so much better than the last <laughs> time I tried to gong. That was a good one. It was, it was not a gong last time, so I'm happy that you took the reins on that. Thank you. I was feeling self-conscious immediately. Yeah. <laughs> what is your earliest gaming memory, Kyle Stevenson? Oh, that's easy. Um, it's actually now a part of the Vicarious website. It's part of my bio. It's coming down the stairs and uh, watching and listening to my mom scream at uh, Mario and Princess Peach for continuing to get captured in the OG <laughs> NES game. <laughs> and ever since then, it's been like, you know, video games are a thing that I love. So that is the earliest memory. Uh, what game do you think you've spent the most hours on in your life? It will be the show, just as a franchise. It's you easy. play it every year. Every year, I first in, in the world to platinum last year's game. Um, I try to platinum it every year. Last year, I think it was at four hundred hours. Three, four hundred hours. Wow. I like baseball. <laughs> Is there a game that, like, individually, you think you've played more than like four or five hundred hours? That's not MLB the Show. Honestly, probably the amount of playthroughs I've done, probably FF seven or eight. Oh, yeah. It's almost like you're the perfect guest for this. Oh, maybe. Who knows? Have you ever pretended to be sick to get out of something so you could play a video game? 
uh, one million percent, Jacob. <laughs> Do you want to as a child, as an adult, all the time? <laughs> Love it. Vicarious, yeah. stop listening. <laughs> oh, not not lately. No, 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 no. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what is your most controversial gaming opinion? Oh boy, here we go. Here's the hot water. Uh, I find Zelda to be boring. Ooh. I'm 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 on board. No, yeah. totally on board. I'm, I I'm kind of on board. I oh, was no. bored out of my mind maybe 30 45 minutes into Breath of the Wild. I just I I and I never went back. I borrowed it from co-host uh Travis Colnut because I was like I should at least play this. Like it's a big deal. Yeah. And then I played mm-hmm. it for a bit and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's it, huh?" And then I was like, "Okay, I need to explore." And then I saw some cool stuff and I was like, "Oh, there's some cool stuff out there." But mm-hmm. I'm I'm still good, and also it doesn't control very well, and that was another problem. But yes, I'm on board. Sorry, Flora. Yeah. My dying. poor, ever shrinking heart. <laughs> I feel like this will soon be an article in Epilogue Gaming. Now that you planted the seed, it will be. Uh, Kyle, last question for you. Not on the run sheet. Um, outside of Final Fantasy VII, what is your yeah. favorite Final Fantasy game? Wait, outside of Final Fantasy, what's my favorite Final Fantasy game? No, outside of Final Fantasy VII, what is your favorite? Oh, Final got Fantasy it, got game? it. Oh, it's eight. Okay, why eight? Unabashedly love eight. I know everyone hates eight on eight. Um, I really enjoyed Zell a whole lot as a character. This goofy kid who just loves hot dogs and he likes to fight. <laughs> uh, I just really love the whole mechanic of the junction system and how you can really over level yourself very early on. I like drawing the magic from enemies, and that's how it works. Guardian Force summons are really cool. Story's a little convoluted, but what Final Fantasy story isn't convoluted? Um, and the Gunblade. It's iconic. Do you kill God in Final Fantasy VIII? I mean, what Final Fantasy don't you kill God? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great gauntlet, Kyle. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Woo! Uh, all right, so uh, pieces of housekeeping before we get into the main topic, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, if you love this podcast, please do us a couple favors. Uh, we're going to ask up front because I know you're not reviewing. Uh, give us a review on your podcast platform of choice, five stars or else. Take it and send it somewhere else into the ether. Like, don't give negative review- reviews, though, because that's bad. Uh, send this podcast to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Left Behind Club. That's where we let you know when new shows are coming now that we are on a non-regular schedule. Today we're talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, developed by Square Enix, Business Division 1, uh, published by Square Enix. Uh, it's on PS4, PS5, and Windows, uh, originally released on April 10th of 2020. Uh, we start the show with our fast pitch, which is a one-sentence pitch about the game that we are about to play. And because Kyle Stevenson is our uh, wonderful guest today, I'm going to put you up first. Oh, no. How to pitch a remake. Oh, boy. In one sentence. (laughs) It's the best remake that's not a remake. Oh, nice. Okay. More details on that later. Uh, Flora, Mm -hmm. why don't you go next? Tifa Lockhart Dating Simulator. (laughs) Good. Very good. Katie? Um, longest prologue I've ever played. <laughs> uh, and mine would be lots of filler, but Cloud's a himbo, so it's fine. Hey. Mm, such a himbo. 
Uh, we're going to start this discussion uh, that will likely be two parts uh, with a very important question. I know, Kyle, you've already sort of di- dove in a little bit and told us what your experience is with at least 7 and 8. Um, but what is your experience with Final Fantasy 7 games in general? And then I'd love to know, like, I know you mentioned all the things, I think, before we recorded that you have played to prepare yourself for Rebirth. But tell us your experience with the Final Fantasy 7 games and media. So it actually all started with seven back in the day when I first got my PlayStation. That was the first one. It was actually like my first like foray into RPGs just as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since that one, I was kind of hooked. I never actually completed uh, seven until much later in life. Just, just because as a kid, I feel like completing an RPGs is that never happens. Ever, especially one that has three whole discs, which is was wild to me. Um, so it was it was seven that really kind of got the ball rolling, and then from there, just the RPG floodgates opened up, and Star Ocean, Legend of Dragoon. Um, uh, you got your uh, your tales later in life. So yeah, it's been a it's been a fun time. Have you watched any like Final Fantasy Seven the, the movie Advent Children? Oh, or? sorry, yeah, uh, Advent Children. I've watched. It's not very good. I watched it last week. Not a huge fan of it. I fell asleep. Wow. Um, it's it looks cool. It's a lot. Um, the Spirits Within never watched. Um, and and from like the what would you call it the compendium of FF Seven games. Um, Dirge of Cerberus is one I've never touched. Okay. Yeah, but that uh, other than that, I've I've played or f- tried to take in as much FF Seven stuff as possible. Flora, you when we talked before we started recording, you sort of did the the hand motion of I've sort of played FF Seven. Explain yeah. what that means. Final Fantasy Seven, the original, is something that I've tried to play a few times throughout my life, and I have a really early childhood memory of going through it to the point of being sort of released into what I remember as like open fields, like riding a chocobo. Um, I have no idea how far that is. It feels relatively early in my memory, but like it was, I believe, after Midgar, which is where this game sort of like spends its time. Um, I have done that arc a couple different times in my life. Um, and then there was one period in college where I got about that far exactly and then just never went further for some reason. Um, it wasn't for dislike, just I think just got lost or got distracted or one of those like you take a break from a video game and forget what all the icons mean. And um, that happened a few times leading up to the remake for me. So I've never finished the original, even though I know quite a lot about it. Okay. And then have you played other Final Fantasy games beyond seven? I have. Yeah, I've dabbled with a number of them. Uh, 13 was the first one I ever finished, even though that has like this really like sort of mixed reputation. Um, and then, uh, of course, we did an episode on 16 uh, recently for the podcast and then dabbled with a few others. Too scared to ever do 14. Very good. Katie, more or less? Um, less, I guess. I've dabbled with a few Final Fantasies, uh, played 16 completely, um, did watch Spirits Within, you don't need to, Kyle. Please, please don't. You'll probably fall asleep. <laughs> no, for that I, one too. I, yeah, I figured. <laughs> it did was we rough. watch that for cutscenes? I can't remember. Yeah, we did do it for cutscenes, and I struggled through okay. it. I think it's my biggest struggle of movie watch of all of the video game movies that we've done, and there's been some bad ones. Um, and some of case, them were fine. Some of them were fine. Um, Final Fantasy VII, in particular, I remember as a kid, 
Um, I don't know if we rented it or if we had a demo, but I remember like the the start, like the going in, the, you know, the, the bomb, you got to get out fast. I remember that part. And then a few years ago, I was like, you know what? I've never played this game. I need to. Fired it up, played probably the same amount. And then just there were other things that I needed to do. And I'm like, I'm realistically not playing this now. Um, so Final Fantasy VII Remake was always kind of in my library. I think it was a PS Plus game. And I've been wanting to play it, and I just never got to it. So this was the perfect reason to get to it. Okay, so I, I guess among the crowd, I'm the, the least JRPG-ish among us. Um, where Final Fantasy 16 was sort of my first JRPG, and it's arguably not even a JRPG if you ask most people. Um, and this is a game that I've always sort of looked at and said, like, I just need to understand culturally why everyone swoons over Tifa and Cloud. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to play this video game and so play through it. It's the first time I've played through, like, I guess what you'd call a a core Final Fantasy game or one that gets closer to the uh, battle system that everyone sort of knows and loves. And uh, I have many thoughts, as I'm sure we all do. Uh, but if you want to check out a couple things, if you want to check out our Final Fantasy 16 episodes, I'll link them here. Um, that was a two-parter episodes, uh, 174 and 175. And then also, if you want to listen to Katie and I talk about Final Fantasy uh, Spirits Within, I'll also link that in the resources. You can check that out if you listen to this. Um, we'll start with a question from the community. This comes from Settlebox. Settlebox asks, how did you play FF7 Remake, PS4, PS5, Intergrade, or PC? Flora? Uh, originally played day one. Um, fun fact, this was one of the games I pretended to be sick for at work. Um, <laughs> and um, so played on PS4, uh, just base model, and then later replayed it when the uh, DLC came out uh, on PS5. Katie? PS5 base game. Kyle? PS4 day one, because we were all in lockdown. I had nowhere else to be. Right. April 2020. Yeah. Uh and I played Intergrade on, on PS5. Um, I did not play the DLC. Did anyone here play the Intergrade DLC that covers Yuffie? I did, yes. You did? Um, quick note on it. I don't think we'll cover it like broadly here, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe notes for folks thinking about it. Do you think it's essential to play? I actually do. I loved it uh, uh, so much. I think the character Yuffie is amazing. Um, it has this... Um, card game I, I think it's called like fort of condor or something it's actually been a long time since i played it um and it, i think it's perfectly paced for what a dlc should be uh if you like the main game it really doesn't have a lot of the things that i might later criticize in the episode uh etc cetera, etc cetera. so yes if there's any like goodwill after you hit credits definitely try the dlc kyle as a as a lead up to rebirth just to learn more about yuffie i i would say absolutely um yeah, it, it's a very good take on that character, and they took what she was in the OG game and kind of made her fit more in what the story will be, because uh, she comes in in the OG way later than she does in this current timeline. But yeah, it's definitely well worth it. We keep alluding to current timeline. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that we will talk maybe a little bit about the original Final Fantasy VII, but this will be largely focused on Remake, uh, because this is a planned trilogy. Um, When it was first announced for my Final Fantasy VII fans, maybe I'll start with you, Kyle, um, how did you feel when they announced that it was going to be a trilogy? Did you lose your mind, or were you like, oh no, three games I have to play now? Uh, Initial thoughts was, 
I gotta make sure I stay alive to experience the whole thing. Because <laughs> that takes like fourteen years for exactly. three games to come out. Absolutely. Yeah, and and we're on. We're going to be what a decade and two games in since it was first announced. So, yeah, yeah you're you're pretty close to that fourteen years there, Katie. Uh, yeah, at first I was like, hell yes, finally. Um, I can't wait to see what it is. But the three games thing bummed me out, and and. We'll get into it, but just knowing that this remake was only in Midgar was was a bit of a bummer. Okay. It's something I waited for so long. I was like, oh, we're only getting Midgar? And then, yeah. It's uh, M9 Prime from the community dropped a note saying um, that this was in 2005. It was announced or seen as a tech demo and then properly announced at E3 2015. So just to show you, like... 10 years when Rebirth comes out and then possibly up to 15 yeah. when this whole thing comes out. So And when it was uh, unveiled at E3 2015, that was a whole different team that was working on it. And Square was like, oh, we're not liking the way this is looking. And then they just kind of completely took over. Crazy. Crazy. Flora, any comments there before we dive in and talk about Midgard? Um, I don't think I had any reaction to this splitting apart of the story necessarily. I think I naively assumed that was matching the way that the original game was split apart onto discs or something. And um, it just sort of naturally made sense that there was no way you could fit a game that was scaled up graphically and story-wise and with all the additional assets of voice acting and so forth uh, into a single disc. And so um, I just thought it was as simple as that rather than a complete uh, reimagining, which... Is ultimately what this seems to be. Let's dive in on and talk about the actual setup of this one. Um, there's going to be a lot of words that are going to be thrown about. Uh, Mako, Soldier, uh, Midgar, Cloud Strife. Uh, so maybe we'll take turns and sort of pile on top of each other and, and talk about the, the setting. Katie, why don't you start first and, and start the, the base foundation about what we start and see when we open on Final Fantasy VII Remake? I mean, I think that the intro is the most beautiful part of this entire game like that got me pumped up because there is this cinematic cutscene that is showing you Midgar which is this um this city that is uh, owned by the Shinra Electric Company <laughs> hilarious I'm sorry um and they uh, are using Mako which is like the energy of the earth to power this city and make a lot of money and uh, basically have complete control over the city. So there's this opening cutscene that is like like a drone flyover of Midgar and you're going through streets and above and flying around and it is gorgeous. It's one of the most beautiful cutscenes I've ever seen um, of just like showing you this environment. Yeah, it's, it's stunning. If you ever watch the OG intro... That is what it is, uh, just kind of updated to the way it looks now. And it was definitely kind of a mind-blowing kind of like, oh, my God, this is how I remember it as a kid, even though it's nowhere even close. Um, yeah, it, it just brings me chills every time I see it, because that is such an iconic opening to the point where the drone gets up to the top. And then you hear the train rolling and it cuts in between. Yes. And then and then it, then you get right into it. Like, it's it's pretty awesome. I think the thing that surprised me most is I always had this this perception that was wrong as a new sort of Final Fantasy player that like all Final Fantasy games deal with like literally they are fantasy settings. They are not like 
future corp has destroyed world let's show the the slums in the city so knowing very little coming into final fantasy 7 i guess i was just surprised at how how they tackled stuff like um pollution like income inequality like i just don't think that that's a thing that this game would tackle and i just was i have issues with some of the stuff in the game but i think that largely i was shocked at how they have built a world that feels lived in and like has a like the game has a point and a and a perspective to share about like that particular worldview or the way that some people like to operate to your point just before we get to flora is that my uh my spouse walking by as he often does while i'm playing these games looked at it and was like wait but you played another one of those you played that that new one that just came out that looked really different what that guy's got a sword but like there's no castles and stuff i don't understand and i'm like there's a lot of different things happening in every game we're we're doing some crazy stuff and he goes yeah but and i was talking to some very um um exuberant character who is very wacky and he said this looks more like yakuza than it does final fantasy and i'm like sometimes it does that's all i thought that was amusing it's funny you say that because I actually was going to make potentially the comparison to Cyberpunk, which came out like same calendar year. And it's only briefly that those comparisons really like have any weight to them. Um, but it, when Jacob brought up like the social issues comparison thing, like I thought that like for a Final Fantasy game to tackle something like that, like it does also have all the fantasy elements to it. But I think they're sort of like um, like they're saved for the second half of the game rather than actually front loaded whatsoever. And I think that's a really interesting thing that like, like Kyle, I was sort of nostalgia goggling my way through the intro. But when I came through to a replay, uh, I was I was struck by like how sort of like technocracy this whole place was. Is Cloud the, the protagonist you thought he would be? Based on like compared to the first game or just in general playing yeah. a Final Fantasy game? Both. Both. Take it how you will. He was much more emo teenager than I thought he would be. Um, <laughs> in very, like, monosyllabic answers and, like, were you in the war? He's like, maybe. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> you could warm it up just a little bit. Um, and eventually he kind of does, but then he can tell that he's getting too warm and he, he reverts back. Um, I don't know. I had kind of heard about Cloud. I kind of heard that he was a little, um, uh, a little emo. That's the best word I can come up with. And that... Uh, so it happened and I'm like, oh, this, I kind of like it. It's kind of fun. Instead of like uh, after playing Final Fantasy 16, where he is like super noble and like, I care about my people. And Cloud's just like, I care about no one. I'm Cloud Strife, which is a great name. Also. I care about making money. Money. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was like the Cloud was such an interesting like counter to the rest of the crew that was like, oh boy, terrorism. <laughs> Am I the only one who thought the the tone was really weird of... I know, you know, I know this is a podcast, but I want that clipped out. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Just for you. But honestly, like Barrett, Tifa, uh, and the crew of Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse were just like very pleasant about blowing up a reactor that's going to affect people's lives. Fair point. The tone was just weird for me. I don't know. I don't. I I, I disagree. It, okay. It was also their first time. 
right? Yeah. That was the first time they've actually done it. So, like, just imagine them. Imagine you and your 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 friends My who doing are uh, a rebel group talking about it. Like, oh, we should do something, and then this is their actual act of actually finally setting forth the plans and and hiring the merc that is Cloud. Um, I like Cloud. He is an emo boy. And it, it's it's kind of hard to go fully into Cloud without spoiling things about him. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they did him a much better service here in the remake than they did the OG. Oh. The, the, there's definitely more layers to him now than there was in the original game. I think it's fair to say that... Um... I just didn't realize these characters are as young as they are. Like Barrett is Barrett has a child. He's a father, and I sort of love Barrett. Yeah. Um, but everyone else is essentially twenty one, twenty, twenty two. So like maybe I just need to chill on the fact that these are essentially teenagers doing terrorism for the first time. So I just have to get over it. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna get flagged. Someone's gonna hear Jacob McCorton with the words terrorism, and I'm just gonna end up on some. Oh list. boy, Rebellion. terrorism! Rebellion uprising. <laughs> There yeah, you yeah. go. There you go. Avalanche. Yeah. What is Avalanche? It's it's their it's their name. Yeah, it's the name right. of their rebellious group. Yeah. I, you know what? Mm-hmm. For like twenty one year olds and their 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 first like, I'm assuming rebellion, uh, group. Um, it's not a bad name. It's a pretty good name. It could have been worse. I can't yeah. think of a better one. No. Yep. Could have been like uh, a Team Freedom or something. I don't know. It could have been really really bad. Uh, out of the side crew, I know I mentioned, and I'm sure we're going to talk at length about, you know, Tifa, Barrett, Aerith later. Um, but out of the, the side characters, I don't want to give them side characters, but like the non-playable avalanche members of Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. Uh, my understanding is these characters have been largely fleshed out from the original game. Uh, did we have any favorites? Because hearing Badger from Breaking Bad as Wedge sort of really threw me here. What, Wedge is definitely a highlight uh-huh. in Remake, for uh-huh. sure. Um also, for all the newbies in Final Fantasy, in most Final Fantasy games, there is a Biggs and Wedge character. Oh. Um, so this continues here. Um, it's because I believe the creator of Final Fantasy loves Star Wars so much that he wants a Biggs and Wedge, Wedge character in every game. And there's also a Sid as well in most of them, but we haven't met Sid yet in the remake. Um, I think Wedge is easily a standout, but I... The way they fleshed Jesse out uh, is really, really cool. And getting more to her story in this one, like actually going to her parents' house and like actually having her as part of submissions, though that is not even in the the original game. So they did a really good job of making all the characters feel like they actually live here than just necessary to move the plot forward. Yeah, I felt like they all lived there. I felt like they were all friends. Which is really important. Like, I feel like there is a pre-existing relationship here. Um, I love Barrett. Barrett's great. As soon as Barrett started singing, I was like, oh, Barrett's my dude. I love Barrett. Yeah. And then there's another time he's singing. And then he's like, we're going on an adventure. And I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, we're trying to find some treasure. Loved it. Um, Also, just the fact that he's kind of like a bull in a china shop who is just going forward at all times and is really, really passionate. But then also they'll be like, your kid is sleeping upstairs. Be quiet. And instantly it's just like, oh, my God, 
Marlene. Like he just reels it in. And that's the one thing that can stop this bull from just like going forwards is he will just stop. Um, Love Barrett. Wedge is Garl and Garl is Wedge from Sea of Stars, basically. (laughs) Loves his friends to I, death. I love that comparison a, a whole Very lot. Very similar. Great. Um, yeah, I appreciate Wedge. I, I I enjoyed all of the characters. Like, all of that main set of characters, I, I liked a lot. When it comes to all the side characters, I kind of question how much, like, there are moments where I feel sincere attachment to them and other moments where I feel a little bit of, like, secondhand embarrassment or cringe about how like their lines are written oh um i don't it's not the voice acting necessarily i thought it was on the first playthrough i thought it was the voice acting but on the second playthrough like some of the lines and some of the context of the lines that they're expected to deliver are just really strange and they really make me like struggle to connect with them as these like core central community characters for a little bit but at the same time um without spoiling what happens um the ending of these characters arcs in this game um, moved me in a way that I didn't anticipate with that initial impression. And so like on one level, um, I I think I didn't want to like these characters. And on another, I think by the end of the game, I certainly did and feel like a deeper attachment to them. As far as the writing goes, I did kind of make note of this, that I was, there's some cringy writing that I just kind of shuffled to the side and I kind of attached that to like a 97 game vibe like a lot of them felt like 1997 jrpg characters in a way and the way even the expressions that they're making and the things that they're saying to each other and i kind of just took that as like a throwback instead of wanting them to be very realistically um written like every single sentence so it that didn't bother me but i did feel that where it, it felt a little not cardboard cutout, that's not fair, but more just like, um, almost like cliched old school JRPG. I think there's some really huge archetypes in here of like Johnny, who's voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, <laughs> who just is like the slapstick sort of anime dude who could very much appear in a, in a Yakuza game. And then you have folks like Marl who like occasionally have lines where they're like, you know, insinuating things about Cloud and his and the ladies that he's bringing back to his hotel or his the room where he's staying. We're like, that's fine. But I think my issue, and this may be blasphemous to say this like so soon, but Aerith's a real anime damsel. And is that is not performance, that is writing. And uh, Katie's already making a face. I'm thinking. I, the thing is, is though that there are seeds planted where I'm like, oh, I, I know we're going to go places with Aerith, whereas I don't know that about Tifa. Like, having not played the oh. original, not knowing where the story goes, I'm like, oh, I can see where there are things that we are going to get to with Aerith. But I'm like, Tifa, I don't know. Is this it? This might be it. And I, I can't tell. Very fast rebuttal, and then I want other people to jump in. I will give you the credit that Aerith, even over the arc of Remake, definitely there was like a a level of maturity that, you know, she kind of slid into near the end of the game. Um, So I think my my issues are mostly with maybe like the first 80% of this game until we maybe figure out what she is. It feels like she secretly knows things. Like there's a knowingness behind this like pretend naivete that I'm like, ooh, what is it? What's going to happen? Whereas again, Tifa, I'm like, I don't know. Katie's been paying attention. 
Katie's been paying attention to this yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, you no, it's just, exploding, ready to tell something. It's, it's, it, oh my God, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to talk specifics without spoiling Rebirth, because mm-hmm. a lot of your, your answers and your issues with certain characters, I guarantee will probably be answered in Rebirth. Um, and there are reasons why they are kind of the way they are in Remake. Um, but I, I totally get it. Like, even when I went to back and replayed the OG one, Barrett is just a caricature of, like, a typical uh, black man in the Asian, you know, like, viewpoint. And it's really tough to see. And what John Eric Bentley made remake, uh, Barrett in remake is so much better. And I actually feel for him, he easily became one of my favorite characters in, in Remake. Where in the OG, I loved and appreciated him, but he was nowhere near my favorites. He was kind of like a, a throwaway, except for a certain area of the game. Um, but it's still like, I think, I forgot who brought it up earlier, but they definitely Yakuza-fied Remake. They definitely were like, let's get wacky with, with Final Fantasy like Yakuza, and that's why we have all these mini games and um even though the walmart and stuff is pretty true to the original game um which is the wackiest i think in remake by far but i like them do you find yourself playing older games and wishing that there were new discussions about those games enter tales from the backlog Hi, I'm Dave Jackson, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to break down those games that may be stuck in your ever-expanding backlog. Each episode looks at one game in-depth, focusing on mechanics, story, music, and other aspects with no spoilers until a clearly marked spoiler wall in the middle. If you've played the game, go ahead and climb that spoiler wall and enjoy in-depth story discussions, and if not, jump out when we warn you and maybe go play that game for yourself. We have over 100 episodes in the feed, everything from Disco Elysium to Tunic to discussion episodes about how to get into horror games, and if games actually need to be fun, or if they have more to offer. I guarantee that there's something in there for everybody. Once again, that's Tales from the Backlog, available wherever your podcasts are found. Do you feel like you're the only person in your circle who wants to go deep about video games regularly? We were like that too. Until now. Welcome to Crossplay Conversations, the brand new bi-weekly topical video game podcast from Luke Lewis, Joseph Hooper, and Jacob McCord. With many years of breaking it down separately on shows like the Left Behind Game Club, Player Player Podcast, and Lukewarm Games, the gang is finally coming together to publish their gaming group chat in audio form every other week. Expect roundtable reviews of the latest games, profiles of upcoming indies, and insightful conversations about essential topics in the video game industry. All with a mostly positive, insightful, and fun style. Help us out by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice to get the first episodes delivered straight to your feed. And follow us on Twitter at CrossplayConvos for updates about the show. Cheers Cheers and and happy happy gaming. gaming. Can we agree, though, that the villains are very anime? Like, they're incredibly anime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Shinra and Hojo and High Digger, who's voiced by um, Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War, John DiMaggio. uh, Anime. Writing yeah. and the performance maybe a little bit, but more writing than anything. I would say that like, is there a character that isn't anime? Yeah. Like, like I don't think we have to target just villains here. I like I was hesitating on saying this, but I feel like, um, the like from Cloud's perspective as the protagonist in this game, you get an almost like Doki Doki Literature Club level of young women like throwing themselves at you relentlessly. 
and it like it pushes me out of the story a little bit mm-hmm. and at the same time i see what like dare i say fantasy the the creators are trying to get you as the player to indulge in and like for what purpose right like y'all were just talking about like what these characters might be up to later on in the story um but with the villains as well um it it felt to me like if we're going to talk yakuzaified i think some of like the best voice acting and some of like the lines where i like held my controller up at the sky were like how cheesy and like nardo villain-esque some of these were i love how they've like brought those characters to life in this remake yeah specifically yuri is johnny johnny is is a nobody in the og game and he's fully fleshed out here and with the rebirth trailer she's back which is wild so it's uh yeah i like how far they take these ancillary characters from the original game I will say, with all of the villains, it did feel like like part one of a trilogy, and we are trying to jam all of these characters in, and to the point where I'm like, why? Like, I, I had a hard time feeling like which ones are important, because there's probably like eight different ones. Like, okay, I have a spiel here. Shinra. Shinra, it to me, is like a shining example of like corporate redundancy like there are managers managing managers on top of other managers i don't know what any of them do i'm sure that they're (laughs) important in some way and i'm sure they make a lot of money but nobody does anybody does any of them do anything like the one the one all she did she propped her legs up on like a soldier uh a stool like a human stool, which was awesome but also i was like who are you and what do you do and that was kind of my issue with a lot of them. I was like, oh, you're cool. I don't know what you do or why you're important it, to this story. If I'm not mistaken, Flora, because it's been a minute since I played the DLC, I think Scarlet shows up in the Yuffie DLC. I think so. Very briefly. Yeah. I don't so you get a little bit more of her in that. Yeah. I, I think you're right, though. Yep. Yeah. There's just too many. She's a PR but you're not person. wrong. She was they on don't TV. do anything. <laughs> she was on TV talking to the media. Was she not? She's a PR person. We all get it. I, I again there's too many there's just too many I feel like there are like too too many villain characters where I did not get invested in any of them because I'm like well there's a bunch of them so why do I care about this one like I didn't whenever we showed them I didn't care and it was one of my mm-hmm. um plot issues like plot pacing issues I think a weird paradox with that because I agree that I think more context and more spacing between these villains might like make me appreciate who they are a little more. Um, there are these moments in between like for like sometimes hours in the later game where you don't get a single boss like that and you just get a bunch of just like sort of run around and like hit triangle on a bunch of doors and pipes and and then like hit these little grunt enemies back to back like a Pokemon dungeon and I... <laughs> I kind of wish, like, hey, if we're going to throw 13 villains in the first four hours, let's just push some of them into later content. That way I can appreciate and, like, chew on their place in the story a little more. So I, I think that's rather unfortunate, all things considered. It, it's to tease. It's like MCU. You'll see a lot of them again. They'll be back. Palmer leads the space program. Reeve yep. is head of urban development. Hojo's yep. head of the lab. Scarlet's maybe PR. Heimdigger, <laughs> Heidegger is is head of the army. Rufus is the vice president and his son. And President Trinner is a president. 
Okay, they're you nailed it. Okay, corporate boy, structure. business boy over here is like it makes perfect sense why there's 17 managers. <laughs> why wouldn't there be? You need redundancy. Yeah, of course. Anyway, uh, I think we'll we'll revisit some of these characters later. Uh, but what I'd love to do is talk about the actual core of the game, uh, the gameplay, the battle system, and sort of like how this game may be different than other Final Fantasy games. If you listen to our Final Fantasy 16 episode, uh, that is about as close to an action RPG. That is a stylish action game action game where this is very much like a an atb based real time but you can pause sort of battle system i loved it uh and i think it's sort of unique to final fantasy games is that a fair thing to say yeah i I see nodding okay yeah i I love the battle system it's the best part of this game yeah i would agree I, i i think the way to adapt from a the OG that was turn-based, I think this is the best way to do it, where it has a little bit of that flair in, where you can take your time and kind of plan things out if you want, but it's still fast-paced enough for the moment-to-moment for you to feel really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'll, I'll be totally honest, when you first play and you're only doing, like, 5 to 10 damage per swing, I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel great. But when you... When it, like prolongs boss battles and every boss battle feels epic because of that and you have to be on your a game and make sure your materia is set and you have the right like loadout and everything um i loved it and i do love that there is an option if you do want to do full-on classic and everything is like paused um you can do that if you want but i think this is the good medium between like 16 which is crazy action um, which I enjoy, but this to have a little bit of a breather and really think things out during a hard fight um, is very welcome in remake. Um, do you think that having played it um, to completion and like platinumed it, that means you played on hard? Like you just mentioned, Kyle, like the oh, yeah. sort of like materia set thing. Like, um, do you think that that second playthrough was what cemented your enjoyment of the battle system, or do you actually think it happened over the course of the first playthrough? Uh, it very much so. It was the second. Okay. It was the hard playthrough just because in hard, they take away your use of items. So you have to, and the only way you can heal is on benches, like in between fights. What? Um, yeah. yeah, dude. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I, I'm not brave enough. <laughs> and there's like additional fights in um, Chadley's little virtual thing that you have to do with against other summons yeah. or whatnot. But it, it it's very much like, I, I liken it to... Uh, like Last of Us Ungrounded, where it just kind of feels like you have to be so involved in every part of the combat system, and you just get a new appreciation of switching between characters and making sure that you have somebody with cure and actually using the yellow materia mm-hmm. in the hard mode, which I didn't use at all in the normal one, really. Mm. Um, yeah, a hard mode definitely made me appreciate it way more. I like, I really, really like the combat system. I think it is an excellent um, adaptation of, like we said, the original, you know, old school turn-based Final Fantasy. It kind of solves a lot of problems. Like you can't, because it's real time, but you can't just like spam potions. Like you can't, you have to be strategic about what you're doing and when. Um, I like that performing actions will, you know, um, fill your ATB meter faster. So it's like you can't just be a passive person. If you're running around the edges, you need to run fast because that thing's not going to fill up and it's going to take a while. So like I like 
how it's set up. I like the materia, like slotting in. I feel like it's very customizable. Um, um, yeah, that's great. The combat, the more and more I played it, the more I disliked it. Like by the end, by the last third, I was kind of over it for specific reasons. Mostly just like there are, there are things that are frustrating with this game where there's like this clunkiness that like a lot of things just aren't that smooth. Um, I was getting frustrated that like you get interrupted so much. Um, I, I Certain spells like is like kind of time delayed, like your ice spells, you cast them, that enemy better be in that same spot. And if they're not, it's it's wasted. And then some enemies, it's like, oh, that enemy is uh, weak to ice, but it also runs around the arena at an extreme speed and you can't use your ice. Like there are just certain things that where the setup for combat frustrated me to no end that I don't know in the room sometimes if there's multiple enemies it's it's very easy for them to just start interrupting you one after the other and now you're just like oh I can't do anything I'm just getting thrown in the air like four consecutive times and yes you can switch um to your other combatant and then like do something else in that way but it just I don't know there's a clunkiness that just bothered me and then the same thing with like some of the traversal as kind of the same clunkiness where that when you're Tifa and you have to um, jump from platform to platform and you're like overhand monkey barsing around. And if you're not like in the perfect spot and facing the perfect way, she just doesn't move. And you're like, where am I? And you got to move the camera to see exactly where you are. And like, oh, no, I have to move a hair to the left. And now I can go. It's just things like that, that it made the gameplay not that enjoyable to me. And I wanted it to be like, I wanted it to feel better than it did, I guess. And I feel like the combat had a little bit of that too, where it's like, it doesn't, it, sometimes it doesn't feel that good and I want it to. And that's kind of like my main issue with the game. The thing that affected my enjoyment the most is I was like, I don't enjoy playing it. I want to like see the story. I want to see what happens. I want to spend time with these characters. Um, I like um, micromanaging the, you know, the material and all that and my equipment. But it's just like actually playing the game, I don't think it was that much fun. And it was it was disappointing to me. Do you think that that was initially your impression with the combat? Or do you think that the like surrounding gameplay, like you mentioned a lot of traversal stuff, um, do you think that that stuff then made you look with more scrutiny at the combat no the combat is it's its own thing also sometimes the camera if you auto lock on something the camera is all over the place it's in bad spots you're like where am i looking i can't even use auto lock now um they're separate problems but like Mm -hmm. together they made the overall gameplay moment to moment not that enjoyable for me Hmm. so i think a lot of the challenges that you had with combat are a little bit different than like when I when a lot of us complained about Final Fantasy 16 and like how you couldn't upgrade the weapons. Mm-hmm. I know it's different, but just that is a thing that should be better in that game. Why are we buying weapons when the number just goes up? Like not needed. I could get over some of the issues because I agree with you. I agree with you that getting interrupted uh, when you were casting a spell was annoying. Having to use your own gauges to use items, like get it, didn't love it. Some of the air juggles at times, especially with Tifa, were very tough if you were using an enemy that was like far up in the air. But that was stuff that I, I just, I don't want to say I got used to it. Like I don't want to give the game a pass. But I was like, 
the actual meshing of your party and like the party isn't really even interacting with you know combo moves or anything like that at this stage but just figuring out when to use certain party members when and then having each party member have different materia and like strategizing about materia and when to use and what to have on each party member for me sort of lets me cast a blind eye to some of the things that I find are a little annoying. That's fair because yes, you're right. Like, like I said, the combat system I think is excellent, but how it feels to do the combat to me is not fun, which is the total opposite of final fantasy 16, where I had issues with how the combat system is set up. Um, but it was just more enjoyable to play. Um, and I'd like the system being good. Like I want the system to make sense and feel like I'm involved so yeah, it was just—it's a conflict for me. No, I mean, I can—I can definitely feel that. I—I—I I, I think it's tough when you're trying to adapt something that is from such a classic turn-based thing, and not go full-on action. It, it's this game in like in its whole um, in whole is about appeasing the fans of the OG mm-hmm. and making sure that it is. Um, remembering its roots, but also bringing it to modern times, and I think maybe some of it got lost a little bit. And, and, and I feel you on some of the camera stuff. I feel you on the interrupting because that did happen a whole lot. Um, for for those moments, like with the ice spell thing, when that would happen to me, I would just take one of my other characters to get real close to melee them to keep them in place, and then I would hop back and kind of do ice spells. Smart man. But I'm. I'm sure that's not how it should have happened. I'm with you though. I they it, it should have should just hit no matter what, but I it, it was a delicate balance mm-hmm. and I I feel like they'll nail it down for the next one. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Did we have any favorite strategies as we entered the the battles or that we use with certain characters cuz I when thinking about cause I I just finished the game like 24 hours before recording and I know for you Katie it's even less. Um sorry to put you on blast like that, but I'd love to know like were there abilities or materia that you found yourself using more of the time than you thought you would. No, it's about what I for me for example like I, I loved using like Barrett's maximum fury ability. Yeah. The one where he can just sort of, you know, it's, it's, they're tied to the actual weapons. So the weapon system is basically like you will buy a weapon and each weapon has an ability tied to it that if you use a certain number of times, you can unlock it to use it whenever, whether you're using that weapon or not. And so for, for me, it was Barrett's maximum fury was something I used all the time. Cloud's triple strike all the time. Star shower from Tifa all all the time and Aerith like Ray of Judgment is something I used all the time and I wonder if y'all had abilities that you leaned on that were not those ones because those were overpowered in my mind yeah I think I used those similar ones um because those are just Mm -hmm. abilities that don't require uh mana points and yeah do a bunch of damage they're great a lot of fun I don't know I would I would mainly stick to cloud and then when other people are available, I'd flip over. I'd use their abilities. Or obviously, in some instances, you're better off using a different character like Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then you just switch over entirely. Um, I liked when it forced you to have a different party. I was like, oh, okay, we're, uh, we're Tifa and Aerith now. This is fun. And it kind of made me do something different, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciated. Um, but no, I just kind of went with what, what are they weak to? And then used my strong damaging abilities a lot. And a lot of healing. Oh my god. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know that I used a ton of strategy in this game, weirdly <laughs> enough. Um, like, like I, I don't know that this game really demands it of you on the normal difficulty. Um, I would sort of just kind of alternate between who is available at any given moment. And um, like, I, it's no secret that Tifa is like my favorite character in this game. And like playing as her in combat was just really fun. I really enjoyed it. And like this, I actually weirdly used the same moves that you did jacob like i distinctly remember like those are that's basically what i did there might be some daylight between us but very similar um and it's more like either i want to feel like i'm doing something dynamic or i want to keep my distance and that's sort of like what this combat allows for um and so i i don't know i i sort of just sort of improvised the whole time i didn't really put a lot of like like chess piece analysis into final fantasy 7 remake I very much just love using any of Cloud's moves. Uh, very like Braver, yeah. it was a limit break like from the OG everybody. game, and it's just a exactly Is just there a use it whenever braver. I could. Exactly, uh, but the one that I f- thought was the most useful um, was Eris Arcane Ward, mm-hmm. where you can stand in it and do two magic spells oh, yeah. for. For no additional cost, um, I remember that being a huge help in the Hellhouse fight. Um, so that was the one I I made sure I used the most of. But I don't, I didn't really like seek out and make sure that I was going to use them all. It was just kind of like spur of the moment kind of thing. I think for me, like we we talk about the abilities and, and liking those and the material. I don't think we need to dive in like deeply on it, um, but. The thing that I found was unnecessarily convoluted was the actual weapon upgrade system. Oh, I autoed that Every hard. S- oh, did you? <laughs> yes. I should have done that. I'd have saved so much time. Yeah. I was, once it was like, I was getting into it and I did it for the first little bit, probably the first quarter of the game. And then once mm-hmm. I like upgraded another weapon or if I um, changed weapons and I'm like, oh, I have to do it again, which I I appreciate that you can then upgrade different things based on that weapon. I'm like, that makes sense that I should be able to do that, but I didn't want to. Like, I'm like, I don't want to spend this much time in this menu on like hopping around and seeing which ones are there. And I was like, no, I'm just going to auto prioritize attack, throw it in there, and then my weapons are upgraded. Like it was just one extra thing on top of the materia that I didn't feel was necessary. Instead of just having the weapons be different, that's fine. You could just have them be different and have them have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, I don't think you needed it. Um, yeah. So I do think it was overly convoluted. But they had the option I to just agree. skip it. So I'm like, great. Thank you. Yeah. That was just like extra gamey stuff to have in it. Just to, for just for sake uh, purposes. That was a sentence that didn't make any sense. <laughs> but, like, I, I definitely think the weapon should just be different and just have base, like, strength upgrades or defensive upgrades or whatever and just have more materia slots. The, to add more RPG-ness to it, just tied to the weapons, is wasn't needed. Yeah. They didn't have to do it. Anything else you guys want to cover on combat um, or the weapon upgrade system or any of the systems? Uh, I love how summons fight with you yeah yes can you explain how the summon system works yeah so um og and most final fantasy games you would just do a summon they would do attack and they would leave here you summon them and they are fighting alongside with you and that is just so cool um i wish that the uh, 
It's again, it's I didn't get to any summons in my replay before we sat down. Do the rest of your party disappear? I forget. No. Is it just the no, Oh, they're they're, they're all there fighting there. as well? Okay, good, yeah. good, good. Um yeah, so just having the whole crew there on top of a summon just for an extra kind of like let the big bad boss take your uh, eyes away from your party members for a little bit so you can either heal up or just watch them do their thing it was great it was it's a very pacific rim just have two <laughs> kaiju things fight while you're just standing there it's great yeah and the cool part that i didn't realize is like some of them are tied to chadley uh, who's one of the characters he's like a shinra researcher you go into a vr battle where you will fight you know you'll fight um a fat chocobo and you'll fight um the ice shiva 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 thank i was i was like not shinra shiva um but you'll also pick up some of them in the world like i believe you pick up ifrit keep me honest here is ifrit a vr mission or is you just get something you pick up i think that's like the base summon that like is given to you pretty early in the game yes but i guess you could pick up one or two of them in the world too Mm -hmm. like there's a regular chocobo that you can also get in the world yeah i had a chocobo in moogle I think Moogle, mm-hmm. um, that would just come and hang out. It, I agree with you, um, uh, Kyle, that, yeah, it's fun. Instead of it just being like an attack, and it's like, oh, a pretty attack, and it looks the same every time and whatever, it's fun. Uh, but yeah, no, he just comes in, hangs out with you for a little bit, fights. You can do like summon attacks um, with your ATB meter as at while it's there with you while it's fighting with you and then at the end does like a big attack and leaves it's it's more involved than if it was just like a one-off attack do some damage leave because then it could just be a spell like what's the difference really but that this is yeah it's more involved i like it uh one, one last note before we talk about the story of final fantasy which i think will be uh, our seven remakes will be mostly the bulk of what we talk about with the rest of our time is I guess I was surprised in this one. I wasn't expecting an open world, but I had just played Final Fantasy 16, where like you can go anywhere. And with seven, you are really confined to certain areas at certain times of the game. They're very directed and saying you are going to be in these slums. You are going to be in this sector at these times. Um, I don't know if like it wasn't that I didn't love it it's really just like not what I I expected I sort of expected given that you see the map of Midgar you know in one of the pause screens that you could go wherever you want whenever you want Uh, but they really confine you to like hey for this section of the game you're going to be here and you can't go anywhere else is that like for people that have played the original like is that just something that I need to get over and like Rebirth will be a different game and more open world for you boy yes absolutely uh (laughs) Uh, Midgar in the OG game, you could get through if you're if you're familiar with it. And now on like the PS4 version, you can use the boost to like speed up combat, or whatever. You can get through it in six hours. Crazy. Um, it's very very quick. It's it's definitely used as the introduction of the game. But where we are at the end of remake and in the OG game, immediately once you're done with the Midgar stuff, the same kind of thing. Then you walk out and it is open world. And you can go wherever you want. And back in the day, it was kind of mind-blowing. It's like, oh my god, I could just go wherever? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do love that they kind of kept it traditional in this one. For for not just nostalgia reasons, but there are story reasons as well as to why you're only allowed to go where you're allowed to go in Remake. Um, I kind of dug it, e- e- even though it's uh, 
Midgar might not be my favorite place in FF7, but it's definitely one of the most iconic, so I understand. I kind of found it a little frustrating to play, um, especially playing it a second time. And I don't know if that's because I'm spoiled and I'm thinking about the Yakuza comparison here, where like the Yakuza games are a really tight-knit area, but they're just so densely packed with things to do and discover. Um, whereas this game has, I want to say, like 25 side quests in total. And, and what you do in between all of those areas is comparatively minimal. And um, so, like, it, it's a mixture of, like, I can handle being confined and enjoy myself, but to have very little to do in that confined space and just be, like, just running between waypoints, which is really ultimately what you do the whole time in this game, um, I found that to be a weakness that I really hope that, like, the next game addresses a little more directly in its design. Yeah, and it was, like, it was made more apparent to me because of how things were set up, because of how the side missions were set up. And then all of a sudden they're spread around and I have to get to different places, but it's not clear exactly where it is. And it's uh, for a lot of the game, you just have to like go there. And also certain things are, are set up in a way where it sounds like I should be able to do it anytime. Like the one, the kids in their little hideout and they're like, oh, come back to me with your Moogle medals and uh, we'll exchange some stuff at any time. And then I was like, but when and then I'm picking them up like crazy. And I'm like, but when how do I even get back there? When am I going to get back there? I don't know when. And it was it felt like it was set up. Certain things were set up as if it should be more open than it was. Um, so that's the part that I found frustrating. I was like, I feel like these two things are disjointed a little bit. Yeah, traversing between slums and just areas is not f- fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs> There's no overarching map. It's it's very much like you kind of just have to remember how to get to where you need to go. And that, that is definitely a downfall for sure. And there's a very small fast travel system within, I think, one of the slums where you can use chocobos to sort of move about the slum. But there's no vast travel system, but fast travel system, but you don't need it. Cause the amount of times, like, especially after chapter 14, which we'll, I will talk about on the next episode coming out next week, um, that like it's a point of no return and you don't get to go and do exchange your Moogle medals or do any of the mini games after, after that point in the game. So like, not only is it directed at only certain places in the game where you can play mini games or like change for your Moogle medals, but, um, there's a certain part of the game where you just good luck with it. And you can't even like take side quests. Like they have to be done within a specific chapter, which I think that to me was, I understand why they needed to do it because then, you know, the side missions stack and like the um, stuff in the story that you do in the side quest, a character may mention it in a later chapter, which was cool. But I, I just don't like the fact that unlike modern games, you can't just pick up a side quest and just, you know, continue on the chain as you go. That and a lot the side quests were really bundled together. And then I got kind of tired of them. I was like, oh, I'll do a few. And then I was like, oh, but I have to do like these six others right now. And I was like, I don't want to. Like, I've already done a bunch of them. And they're not that great. And I was like, ah, well, I guess I'm done. Like, I can't. Whereas maybe I would have done another mission and been like, oh, I'll, get, I'll come back to that guy and finish that one. Um, I do appreciate that they make it very, very clear when you're moving forward. They're like, hey, you can't go back if we keep on going. You sure you want to? I'm like, thank you. It's a base thing in games that I'm like, I appreciate every time they do it. It's 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 a must and they do it. So it was that was good. But yeah, it's 
I don't know. Things are chunked together in a way that uh, was frustrating. Any final thoughts here about anything but the story of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Um, can I dig a little deeper on the side quest stuff before we move on, or should we save that for? Okay. Um, I I think that the biggest weakness of this game is the side quests. Um, I on the first playthrough. I did like three to five and then decided it wasn't worth my time and skipped the rest of them for the whole game. In my replay, um, I did all of them. And I was sort of hoping that there would be like some cool hidden stuff or like by doing all of them, I would unlock some secret extra thing that like made me feel like my efforts were worthwhile. And I really didn't feel that reward in this game. Like, all of the side quests are in some way run and go grab this thing, run and go kill this thing, uh, or run and go talk to this person. And, like, I don't know why any of the side quests are here. Um, (laughs) None of them really make me feel connected to the core characters because they're almost all, like, these just random NPCs that you're helping. Like... Maybe even, like, the little kids, like, with the Moogle medals, like, that's supposed to be like, hey, this community is lived in and has life and, like, whatever. There's hope here. Um, but it was just a chore. And um, I I really like this game. It's rare that I replay something. Um, but the side quest just, that strikes me as so phoned in compared to, like, this game has some of the most stunning cutscenes and character models and animations I've seen, like, in any PlayStation game. Um, it has some incredible music. I personally wasn't too bothered by the combat. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. And yet, like, something like the side quest, I just think that is a complete failure for this game. And and that's, that's a bummer to say uh, when you like a game that much, and yet, like, I would never replay them. I would tend to agree... In every case, except where a side mission leads to a minigame. Because I know that, like, one of the side quests early on is like, these buff men are squatting. Would you like to squat with them? Oh, and yeah. I was like, yes, of course. Buff men, uh huh. Um, so to me, that's the only exception. But my understanding I'll is give that, you that minigames, there are a lot more of them in the original game, a lot of them which are going to be converted into rebirth. But I'm totally mm-hmm. with you that, like, after experiencing the garbage side quests of Final Fantasy 16, to have like slightly better but still not great Final Fantasy 7 remake side quests, I'm just like, why do we do side quests? Especially when characters, and keep me honest here, I think there's a side quest where one of the characters acknowledges that what you're doing is crap. <laughs> and I'm Dude, just like, cool, if right. you write it there, that's like narrative versus gameplay designers <laughs> fighting, and like that's where it manifests. But like, if you acknowledge that your side missions are crap, then just don't just cut them out. Right. Yeah, just keep the good one. I'm just happy. Yeah, I, I'm just happy you were here to come to bat for the squatting mini games. Yes, of yes. I thought you were. I thought you were about to say, "I love smashing the boxes. <laughs> I love that so much. I couldn't stand that one." Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I, I'll go to bat for the boxes. The boxes are kind of okay. Cool. That's fair. That's fair. I'll go to bat for darts, but boxes I can. Oh, darts! <laughs> darts was fun. I was like, I'm cool. not leaving here until I am top on the leaderboard on yeah. the darts. That's a, yes. The mini mm-hmm. games. I I enjoyed myself. Um, Me too. The side quest, no, but yes, the one where it leads to squatting and there's these ridiculous characters. That's the one where there was effort put in. 
that's the thing, right? Is right. that there are characters right. with personalities and they are mm-hmm. um, they are well modeled yeah. and like they look great and they're funny and they're saying ridiculous stuff and you're doing um, a, a mini game that's very simple but still like different from anything else <laughs> I've done in the game. That's worth my time as opposed to yes, uh, go there and fight this thing. That's what I'm doing the whole game. I'm going there and fighting things. So like, right. don't make me do it again unless you have an interesting story to tell and there weren't. Uh, but yeah, I'll, 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 if you were like, oh, there's more squatting minigames, I'll be like, let me go. I'll do some pull-ups. <laughs> I'll do some squatting. I'll do some bench press, whatever. Any of the workout things with uh, ridiculous characters, I'm in. Yeah, I, I agree on the side quests. They're definitely very weak. Like, in fact, when you brought it up, I'm just looking to see what they were. And I don't remember any of them except for the Johnny ones. Johnny mm-hmm. ones are great because I like Johnny as a character just because yeah. he's a buffoon. And he, he's just a clown. Um, but other than that, yeah, they're super forgettable. They're just go kill some things in the back alleys, then come back and get something that you might not even use. Yeah, I, I hope they do better in side quests because side quests in modern Final Fantasy games have not been hitting the way they should. It seems like every game will have like 20 to 30 and maybe three or four are real good mm-hmm. in each one. And that's a bummer. One will make you cry because it's well, sad. Yeah. The other ones will make you cry because <laughs> they're crap. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, those are our thoughts about everything but the story of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, come back next week where the four of us are going to dive in and dissect the story uh, as much as we can uh, in, in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, Kyle Stevenson, thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, if folks want to find me. you, where can they find you? Uh, Mr. K-Set pretty much everywhere. Yeah, you The are. trophy room is at. PS Trophy Room uh, and 61 Indie. Go check that out at 61indie.com. Uh, let's do the same with uh, Katie. Where can you be found on the interwebs? Oh, God. I've teeter tottered back and forth. I guess I'm back on X. Do you want me to just do it? Do you want me to just do it for you? I'm on X and on uh, the other one. What's the other one called? Uh, the, Zucker- the Zuckerberg Blue one. Sky? Threads. I'm on both oh, at Les Brack. Right now, I'm mostly on X, but I'm on both. Um, yeah, I talk about uh, video games and I repost uh, videos of cats. That's it. I think it's fun. Excellent. I Excellent. think you're the only person I know that refers it to I X. I didn't like it. It felt wrong and I, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I'm not happy about it. it. It's one of the reasons I left and then I came back. And It's a, the, it's a struggle every day. Flora, are you on Twitter? Thank you. Not these days. Um, weirdly enough, I, like, for some reason can't really get into my Ludo narrative account at the moment. Oh, um, no. At, there's some weird, like, security code thing that I need, and I don't know. Anyway, um, just find me on epilogaming, I guess, dot com. Oh, minus the I guess. Epilogaming.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and on the site, you can read uh, How Goodbye Volcano Kai Captured My Childhood Experiences. That is a great article. Thank you. It was a delight. The creators and like writers and stuff like all like commented on it on Twitter of all places. And um, and that was really rewarding to see. So thank you. Again, epiloggaming.com. That's where you can find Flora. You can find me at Jacob McCourt on all things J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. And you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at on Twitter at Left Behind Club, on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club. And like I said, give us a review because it means a lot. Um, that's all for now. We're back next week with part two of this thing. So until then, I will say shout out Mike Ruffalo and that, my friends, is one less game left behind.
Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K.A. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming.